Hello and welcome to Even the Trunchbull, our show about children's books and why we still love them as adults. She's Nina. They're Matt. And we think that children's books are for everyone because we've all been kids. Even, Even the, the Trunchbull. Trunchbull. They're all mistakes, children. Filthy, nasty things. Glad I never was one. From Rural Dahl's beloved Matilda, despite her protestations. Each episode, we review one picture book and one chapter book. We started off with books that we read as kids, but if you've got a book you'd like us to review, especially if you are currently a kid, please get in touch. You can email us on eventhetrunchable at gmail.com or catch us on Twitter at TrunchablePod and on Instagram at eventhetrunchable. And our theme this month is, well, it's our Halloween special, so we're going with the theme of witches. Yeah, we've got one witch in our chapter book, which is The Doom Spell by Cliff McNish, who sucks the colour out of the world. And the witch in our picture book, Winnie the Witch by Valerie Thomas and Corky Paul, who adds colour back in to her house. So we've got another guest this month. We've had this booked for ages. I'm very excited about this one. <laughs> So Ruby, who is with us today, is a lifetime Cliff McNish fan and is also my sister. Hello, Ruby. Hello. 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 <laughs> it's lovely to have you on. And we're doing this one in person as yeah. well, which is nice. We don't often get to it do It might that. sound a bit different, listener, because we're all in the same room for once. Yeah. 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 All squashed together in a lovely little study. Crowded round one microphone. <laughs> so how are you doing, Ruby? I'm very well. Thank you for having me on your podcast. No, it's I've been really you. looking forward to it. I've loved listening to previous episodes. And yeah, Doomspell was a book that I absolutely loved when I was about eight or nine when I first read it. Nice. You've picked Winnie the Witch as well, haven't you? Yes. You both <laughs> yeah, that's true. We don't yeah. usually have guests who pick both. <laughs> oh, I feel books. so honoured. <laughs> I even had to look up the name of the books Winnie the Witch because I couldn't remember the name. And to find it, I googled kids book about a witch who makes her house rainbow coloured yeah. <laughs> um, so like you were saying in the introduction about bringing colour into the house that's what I remembered because there are quite a few Winnie the They're Witch loads. books I think but that's the so one so this that, is the OG Winnie the yeah, Witch yeah that's the it? one we had I think and, mm-hmm. yeah. do you want to tell us what happens then so yes Winnie is a witch who lives by herself in a massive house sort of made me wonder how she manages the heating bills and yeah. <laughs> the mortgage for that one in this climate. But um, yeah, she lives in this big, very witchy house. It's all completely black, very tall, slim building. It looks like a sort of like those sort of American sort of... Yeah, rickety kind of porches. And, yeah. Um, it's on stilts almost, I feel like. I, I feel like a lot of the wood would be sort of slightly rotting away and... Underneath. Yeah, yeah. and very Big drafty. turrets and yeah, all of that. Yeah, yeah. So she lives in there and it's just her and her cat, Wilbur. Yeah. And Wilbur is a black cat. And he has got green eyes, but he's also black and everything in the house is black. So Winnie is having an absolute nightmare of a time because she's always sitting on Wilbur and tripping over him when he's got his eyes closed. When he's got his eyes open, it's no problem. She can see him. As soon as he has a kip, all manner of chaos (laughs) ensues. Um, So there's some tumbling all the way (laughs) down the stairs. Yes, all the way down a lot of stairs. Um, Yeah, (laughs) worrying amount of stairs. And um, so to solve it, she casts a spell, abracadabra, and turns Wilbur green originally yeah um but then the chaos continues because when he goes outside he's the same color as the grass even when his eyes are open. even when his eyes are open so it's a double whammy and she's still tripping over him and can't find him 
So then she... Gets really angry. She gets really angry, yeah. <laughs> Poor Wilbur. She, she gets really angry, does another spell and turns him multicoloured. So I think he had a red head and a yellow tail and purple legs. Yeah. And this is a bit that I found the funniest, was that Wilbur is fully aware of how ridiculous he looks. <laughs> he's got it. And he's just really, really embarrassed. Really embarrassed. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, for God's sake. He's like up in the top of yeah. the tree and all the birds like, yeah, oh, mocking him. Yeah. <laughs> and he's up there just like head in his hands, like, what have you done to us? Which is great cat writing. We've yeah. had some good cat writing on yeah. the podcast. You can totally imagine a cat being like self-conscious. Yeah, like, so. yeah look at the state of his Yeah, is your mum dressed too this morning? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he goes and hides up this tree and Winnie's really good because she loves Wilbur and she's probably very lonely in that house. <laughs> Let's be honest. Doesn't um, want him to be sad. Yeah, and yeah, she doesn't want him to be sad. So she, I like, I liked the way it was worded as well because in the book it says she suddenly had an idea, and it's just to change back. So she turns Wilbur back into his old self, black cat, green eyes, but the rest of the house she abracadabras to be um, multiple colours. Um, I think the house is yellow with a red roof and. Yeah. Oh, that, that was the description. It sounded awful. Um, it was... Um, Carpets. Yeah, because it was the the wallpaper was like blue and pink stripes with like green <laughs> green carpet with pink roses on yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and we all read it and went, oh, Winnie, no. <laughs> but um, I feel like, I, I feel like most people have someone in their lives who is like a bit of a sort of mm, mad witch. That's Winnie's solution is bring all the colour in and by bringing the colour in, Wilbur can be himself. And the moral of the story is whatever the cat wants goes. Yeah. So this is a book that came out in the 80s and all three of us, I think, you two had it read to you. I think I did as well. Yeah. Um, it's a real classic. It's having a bit of a moment right now. I'm not sure why. There's a whole floor of seven stories dedicated to Winnie and Wilbur at the moment. Oh, really? Oh, nice. Yeah. There's like a little cauldron where you can make little potions. There's a little like cuddly toy Wilbur. There's witches hats you can wear. So it's having a bit of a revival. Yeah. Okay. The way she's drawn, you feel mm. like she's a very erratic character, sort of maybe always getting distracted from one thing she's doing and going on to do something else. Yeah, so she's tall and thin. Mm. Yeah. She's white. She's got like a red nose and this like black hair like sticks mm. coming out of her head. Like she's all elbows and knees. Yeah. She's like someone who just had a really big growth spurt and can't quite keep <laughs> track of her hands yeah. and feet. Because there's certain pictures where she looks like she's drawn like a like a teenager. Adolescent or just yeah. pre adolescent yeah. girl, like like Very proper skinny yeah. legs, gangly. Yeah. There is something dead youthful about her. Yeah. She seems like the sort of person who would like mix art where she like sticks shells on stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think she'd even think about things going together. No, I, don't I, think I get so. the impression I think she's of picking colours almost randomly. Yeah, yeah, and I like the idea that everything's come into the house because it's got some sort of story behind it. So she's got the pink and blue wallpaper because she found it behind a bin, like a roll <laughs> of it, and thought, Oh, I'll use that and then the carpet Maybe she stripped back an old one and that was underneath and she thought, oh, great, I'll have that. And she's upcycling. <laughs> yes. She's a very modern woman. Here in Burglar yeah. Bill were mates in the early 20s. And <laughs> yeah, they go way back. Directions. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how has she got this big house? She inherited it or Inherit- something? Yeah, yeah, it feels like an inheritance, definitely. Or I wouldn't be... I could also imagine her as the sort of person who, like, used to be a city banker <laughs> and, like, made a fortune... But was always just wacky. absolutely mm. wacky anyway. But it just like, and now that she doesn't have to be, she's just like, <laughs> let herself go into this sort of like kooky little... Or well, maybe she just 
bought the house at a really good time in the market. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Like like those people who would buy yeah. council houses in London for a pound and now yeah. you know, rent them out for two grand a month or whatever, yeah. Yeah, maybe it's ex council. Yeah, maybe it's an ex council house. <laughs> yeah. And why is it all black to start with? Fire. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she's in mourning or something, but mm. you just more get the sense that it's like when she got the house, everything was black, and she's never thought to do. But it's interesting about it. because none of her outfit is black. No. Even her is her hat purple. Yeah. And she's wearing those like yellow and red stripy socks. Yeah. And she's got yeah, like yeah. yeah, like a blue jacket. Her outfit is quite colourful and like what the house becomes very yeah. mismatched sort of thing you can imagine someone going around being like why is everything in your house black and she's just like oh because oh. that's the colour that it is <laughs> just yeah. hasn't really noticed yeah. I like... suppose you're yeah no there's a lot of black <laughs> yeah. isn't it? there's nothing that isn't black Winnie and with everything just being black do you reckon she has any kind of like decorations or like any pictures on the wall because then all the pictures would have to be black and white or does she have any ornaments are they all black the ornaments are all black yeah yeah, yeah. so it's not just this bare bones no it's fully furnished and decorated but just all black but everything's black maybe she thought when she became a witch my thing's gonna yeah. be everything's gonna be black and she spent ages collecting all these black things yeah, yeah. for her house yeah. to really go for a look and then she couldn't commit to it in her personal mm. dress sense because actually she thought it was a bit so it's boring. quite liberating really maybe yeah. she's finally like you know what to be a witch I don't have to prescribe to yeah. everything yeah, being yeah. black she's yeah. in her own yeah, identity yeah. 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 by letting Wilbur have his yes I like that. <laughs> it's, it's funny how gutted Wilbur looks. That is the best picture, is multicoloured Wilbur up the tree with, just the, like, with the birds laughing at him. Like his paws on his face. face. Just, I love in like really good illustrators when you get so much like expression just into the eyes. The eyes and, and the just eyebrows. the slightest yeah, yeah. kind of, and it's just like... This despondent... Absolute like... Yeah. Droop to his yeah. blue whiskers. Yeah. yeah. And he's just given up. He's like, oh, Christ, this is me now. Yeah. <laughs> the beginning it's really mm. impressive like this person who lives in this completely black space and you're like whoa that's a bit odd and then but then you do get this sense especially more that we've unpacked this character of Winnie in a way that she was never intended to be unpacked <laughs> what I like to think though is that she does probably have a really thriving social life like yeah. and she goes out and meets up with Burglar Bill and just, yeah. like, she's got like a local she goes to the Wednesday quiz yeah. like yeah I reckon her drink would be a snake bite like what's that the pub and gates of the black bull where mm-hmm. they've got Halloween decoration like year round there's an entire set of like two skeletons playing poker <laughs> either side of a table all of which is stuck to the ceiling upside down it's crackers and you like you go and you're like oh what's all this about and they're like oh just put it all up for Halloween one year and someone said like oh it's class you should leave this up so we did <laughs> Yeah, Winnie is definitely a patron, yeah. or possibly even the like owner. manager, owner. <laughs> yeah, she's just a regular enough that they're literally like, oh, Winnie, pour your own drink. Yeah, you like, yeah, Winnie, could bar. you watch like, the bar for yeah, a bit? Yeah, I'm just nipping out, out yeah. for a tab. Yeah, yeah. yeah but she'd give everyone yeah. free drinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she would. Yeah. <laughs> what age of children would we say this book is for? Well, we were dead little, weren't we? Yeah, and I can imagine I always have to use a reference point so I can imagine reading this to our niece and her loving it and Elena is five nearly. Yeah. Yeah, Mm. so I think anywhere between the ages of three and six. Three up to six, seven. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, that's... That wraps it up for Winnie the Witch then. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us about your second pick, Ruby? Yes, so the Doom Spell. So it's the first book 
written by Cliff McNish. And it's the first book in a trilogy that he wrote. It's called just the Doomspell Trilogy, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. So I'm not sure when it was published. 2000. 2000. Yeah, so it's about a brother and sister, Rachel and Eric, who end up getting dragged into this alternate world. Through the cellar wall. Through the cellar wall. Very stranger things. (laughs) Yeah, it is very very stranger things. It was interesting for me reading it again because that was the main bit that I really remembered is Mm. that I think it's the second chapter, this scene of them getting getting dragged through this cellar wall. Eric's down there just playing with his toy Mm. aeroplanes and then Rachel hears these cries and goes down and he's being pulled through by these huge black claws. And there's like a wind sucking yeah. them in. Yeah, right? and the like... scale of it is really hard to kind of picture. And in my head, I pictured it as just these claws and like the eyes were still sort of behind the wall and it was just the claws coming in. Yeah, but they're so. huge and they yeah. get bigger and bigger. And it's like, it talks about it like working and opening yeah. and then pushing yeah. it. And that's the bit that really got me. Yeah. Is that sort of like... The really physical. Yeah, and, like um, the struggle of it. Yeah, and then it goes on to say that the hairs on the claws have... The hairs are snake heads. And then there's spiders crawling along yes. the snake head. So it just goes, it's like watching one of those videos where it keeps zooming in and in, and then like the you know yeah. the snake becomes a spider becomes a yeah. snake, and like it's just really trippy. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, And yeah, I think Eric's meant to only be about six, seven. Six. Yeah, and what I actually love is Eric's reaction to it all going on. So he's just very kind of demanding and logical straight away. So he's literally in the grasp of these claws claws. that have come out of nowhere while he was just playing with his toys. She seized one of Eric's arms and heaved, inch by inch, drawing his neck and face back into the cellar. Pull harder, Eric's muffled (laughs) voice yelled. Find something to fight it with. So he just straight away is like, how are you? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Like, tell He's her. also a very typical younger child, younger sibling, isn't he? That he completely relies on Rachel to protect him and yeah. also completely trusts that she will and yes. that she'll manage. Yeah. That's why he's never really scared, I think, because yeah. he's got Rachel. But he also is very has a very independent way of thinking. Mm. He relies on her, but it will also happily tell her how to look after him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of I think that's pretty much one of the first things he says, and I just really liked that, that, you know, he's in peril and he's sort of saying, this Come is on. how you need to rescue me, yeah. 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 And then the dad hears the commotion. Oh God, the yeah. cellar door has slammed shut and locked. And the dad breaks down the door with an axe and comes within like an inch of managing to save them, but just doesn't. Rachel's dad ran into the cellar, beating his hands against the wall. Pieces of falling furniture crashed against his head. He ignored the pain and heaved the axe into the wall over and over. Eventually, when he had no strength left, he let the axe drop. The only damage to the wall was a few chipped bricks. He stared furiously at the hand which had lost Rachel's, kicked the axe across the floor of the cellar and wept. Yeah, really powerful way to start the story. Yeah, really starts with a bang. And so the children have been sucked through this portal into another world which is called Ithria. And Ithria is a knockoff Narnia. (laughs) He's very open about this, doesn't he? He's quite openly sort of ripped yeah so it's a snowy world and in this world is a beautiful witch a little bit like the witch in Remesa I think if you remember she was Mm. very classically beautiful as well like a sort of white woman pale skin red lips business yeah yeah and the first thing she does very Narnia-ish is offer them some sweets yeah. She asks Eric, what's your favourite sweet? Eric's like, jelly beans and Rachel's like, no it's not why have you said that? Mm. 
uh, you're testing her because Eric's really smart. And she's like, ooh, feel in your pocket. And she's made some jelly beans appear. And Eric, it's almost compulsive. He feels the jelly beans are asking him to eat them and he can't help but eat them even though he doesn't like jelly beans. And Rachel feels she really wants to eat them. But also she sees on the face of that hideous dwarf person called Morpeth, who seems to be <laughs> some sort of lackey to the queen, sees that he looks really disgusted. So she's like, something's yeah. wrong with these jelly beans and manages not to eat them, which shows that she has great magical power because the jelly beans are actually some spiders which live in the witch's throat. Mm. that she's made look like sweets but they're still spiders and that's why Morpeth is so disgusted by the sight of Eric eating them Rachel resists and so this is the first sign that Rachel is a very special child yeah, yeah. and this becomes the sort of yeah the leading theme of the book yeah. is this world has been waiting for what they call the child hope to yeah. appear it's and a total chosen one narrative yeah. Yeah. yeah but I do really like I the like phrase it. child hope yeah we have this underground resistance movement for whom the child is the child hope, but for the witch, the same child is also her hope of kind of yeah. escape. And we have this kind of double-pronged prophecy. Yeah, she's yeah. almost a double child hope for yeah. good and evil. Yeah, yeah that's Which true. is quite cool. And it could go yeah. either way. But what I really like is Rachel immediately clocks on to how weak and the tenuous whole... that is. And yeah. tenuous it is. And, and they have this, you know, a quite classic... Um, verse that they yeah. read out that has been passed down dark girl she will be enemies to set free sing in harmony from sleep and dawn bright sea i will arise and behold your childish glee and when rachel first hears it she gets really annoyed and i really like that and she's like for god's sake i've literally just got here I've no idea what's going on. <laughs> and I need to save your whole world, yes. do I? And she's got this responsibility thrust onto her by these random dwarf child people that she's only just met. And they tell her this verse and she sort of hears it and goes, wait. And she very quickly just clocks onto how maybe it just doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Maybe it's just this story. And mm. I quite liked that. So the witch has been pulling children through from Earth for thousands yeah, of years. Yeah, Ithria is a different planet, and it's yeah. basically a prison planet. Um, and she keeps pulling children through from Earth. Yeah. And at the beginning, sort of, Rachel and Eric looking around going, where are all these kids? And yeah. then you slowly clock that these sort of ancient dwarves are children that have had their growth stunted and been kept alive, so they're all, like, hundreds of years old. Morpeth's, like, the main... One. So we have Morpeth training Rachel and testing Rachel to see how strong she is with magic. I love how the magic works in this book, which is your magic is as strong as your imagination is. Like, magic doesn't know what it wants, but, like, you have to direct it, and you have to direct it quite precisely. Rachel put an orange in the middle of the table. She frowned, wondering what was odd about it. Look closely, Morpeth said. You know what's wrong. You don't need me to tell you. Rachel stared at the orange. It was round. It was the proper colour. She made the orange revolve slowly while Morpeth sat back watching her in fascination. Suddenly she knew what was wrong. It didn't have the little dimples that all oranges have. <laughs> it was smooth like an apple. A moment later she had made the dimples appear. Mm. So it's like, mm. yeah, you have to build it up. Yeah, it's yeah. like you're saying, it's like this sort of, yeah, almost like CGI world yeah. where you've got to yeah. code in all the different... That's elements. a really yeah. good analogy, yeah. yeah. And then I think immediately after that he picks it up and she's like, uh, oh yeah, I forgot yes. to give it skin. Morbeth snatched the orange from the table and tried unsuccessfully to peel it. Oh, I forgot to make the skin real, said Rachel, annoyed with herself. Yeah, so it's like you've got the outward appearance, but yeah. then you have to think about how yeah. the skin is then attached to the yeah. segments and how the juice is inside of it and just yeah. all these 
different components, which it is really cool. Yeah, it's got a really specific, well-worked set of rules for the magic yeah, in this. Yeah, I really is, like that about it. Which is great. Mm. So we've got a training montage bit, mm. basically, where Rachel spends the day with Morpeth, and Morpeth, he's a very good teacher in that he never really tells her how to do anything if he thinks that she can work it out herself. So he leaves her lots of space to explore, and he never tells her that she's not capable of doing something, even if he knows that she's not. Because he's like, let's let her try, because maybe mm. she can. Mm. And in this way, he discovers that she's way more powerful than anyone else he's ever met. So she has this wonderful day of playing with Morpeth, and she's like, oh, where's Eric? And Morpeth is like, don't worry about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Put that out of your mind. <laughs> Because the witch is very early on established that as soon as the witch gets bored of something or it isn't useful, she'll kill it for fun. Yeah. Yeah. And she's very just clearly an incredibly cruel creature. There's a part where there's a frozen lake. Um, Rachel and Morbeth are walking across it and Rachel's looking underneath, you know, through the ice to see if she can see anything. But it's just blackness down there. And she says to Morbeth, um, you know, is there anything that, that lives down there? Morpeth basically says, no, like nothing would be able to live under there. It's too cold and, you know, there's no oxygen. And, and then he says, unless the witch decided to create something just for the knowledge of how much it was suffering. So after this training montage, it's revealed to the witch, Rachel's really powerful. And so the witch wants to use Rachel and the resistance movement, the Saren, wants to use Rachel. So she summons Rachel back and she makes a deal with her. She's like, if you win a game against me... You and Eric can go home. And she pulls out a game of snakes and ladders. And Rachel's like, snakes and ladders? That's easy. She's like, oh, no. And she shrinks Rachel down to the size of a playing piece. And then Rachel has to move along the board. But the ladders are real and the snakes are real. And they Mm. move. (laughs) Yeah. And it gets really weird. (laughs) Yeah. But she wins anyway. And then she's like, okay, so send us home. And the witch is like, ah, lol, I lied. (laughs) Yeah. I lied, said Dragwina. I have never kept a promise to a child, and I never will. (laughs) It's almost, it feels like a bit of a mother-daughter relationship, Mm. but like a really unhealthy one. There's a weird connection between them, like even from before we establish any kind of magical connection. So what happens after that board game is the witch puts both Eric and Rachel to sleep, and then Morpeth steals them out of the castle, and then they're in the resistance fort. And then as soon as Rachel wakes up... She's like, wasn't that a bit too easy to rescue us? Mm. Don't you think maybe she let you do that on purpose? Do you really think she doesn't know that you're plotting against mm. her? Like, she's yeah. got this insight into the way the witch thinks. Yeah. yeah. And they, she is always right about yeah, it. <laughs> I think there are some... A lot of what's uncomfortable about this book is the similarities between Rachel and the witch. There's a lot of mutual mm. respect, yeah. isn't there? Mm. Yeah. And there's, like, certainly from the witch's side, I think quite a lot of love. Yeah. I was reading it thinking... God, this has all gone a bit wrong for the witch and she's had a long time to prep for this. You would have thought she'd have a better plan in place. But in a lot of ways, she couldn't really prep. She couldn't know Rachel. Because she didn't know what to expect. But also it's the classic baddie downfall. It is really interesting. It's greedy curiosity about Rachel, isn't it? Like, it is really gross. Well, it's quite similar to when we did um, Coraline. Yeah, that reminded me of that a lot. She's almost like training Rachel to be evil. Because um, Rachel does have sort of an element of the same disdain for stupidity. Yes. Well, I've just found a really good bit that sort of um, sums that up where Rachel again and again is just being relied on. You don't know anything, do you? She said, hardly able to contain her frustration. You expect me to know. I'm sick of it. 
So she's just bursting out and being, yeah. you know, incredibly frustrated at all these people who are sort of telling her what to do. And she's just looking around going, none of you have a clue. <laughs> so yeah. this is maybe somewhat gender becomes quite interesting because mm. the Saren is a proper male yeah. environment, yeah. right? And it's like, yeah. it feels a bit like when you go to socialist worker party meetings and it's all beardy old men <laughs> yeah. talking about the revolution. Yeah. Yeah. We have this mm. verse about a child hope and we're going to yeah. stick to that and... Rachel's coming in and saying, have you thought that maybe yeah. you could think about things a bit mm. deeply or more differently? And they're just a bit like, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> no, this Rachel. Is the way are done. <laughs> yeah. It's very strong female lead, isn't it? Yeah. And maybe that's where part of the mm. like connection and respect between Dragwina and Rachel is as yeah. well, is that Rachel's like, she's evil, sure, but she, she gets things done at least. Mm. Like, yeah. use are doing yeah. nothing. And they are the only female they characters. They are the only women. Pretty yeah. much. The other stuff. female character, in a way, with some power is the alpha female of the wolf. Yes, Pat actually. Scorper. She's another sort of powerful female character. Yeah, that's true, um, actually, yeah. Should we talk scariness? Yeah. Mm. So this is chapter one. So before we even get into the cellar, we start with Dragween Remorpeth. The witch descended the dark steps of the palace. It was a freezing night. Snow blew wildly in the sky and the wind howled like a starving wolf. What a delightful evening, sighed the witch happily. Despite the bitter cold, she wore only a thin black dress and her feet were bare. A snake clung passionately to her neck, occasionally blinking ruby-red eyes through the snow flurries. The witch walked effortlessly, relishing the crunch of the ice against her toes, while a man alongside struggled to keep up. He was less than five feet tall and over five hundred years old. Bow-shaped creases either side of his eyes made them appear as if they'd been gouged out and reinserted many times. He shuffled down the steep palace steps, only a big, flat nose and square chin exposed. His scraggy beard was neatly tucked under three scarves. Well, how do I look, Morpeth? the witch asked. She flashed a pretty woman face. It'll convince the children, he muttered. Why bother to make yourself look nice, Dragwina? You don't normally care what they think. The witch reverted to her normal appearance. Blood-red skin, tattooed eyes... The four sets of teeth, two inside and two outside, the writhing snake mouth. Morpeth watched as the rows of teeth snapped at each other, fighting for the best eating position. A few purple-eyed armoured spiders swarmed between the jaws, cleaning the remains of her last meal. Oh, it's just It's incredible. so powerful. Yeah. And that Do you imagery... think it was too scary for you when you read it? Say you were eight or nine. Potentially, maybe that's why it really stuck in my head. I must have been little because, yeah, I, I read it as reading practice, so I'd, I'd read it to my mum. I remember just, yeah, that imagery of having spiders constantly moving around your teeth and how would you talk and how would you eat and, and the teeth snapping at each other. Yeah. So the I teeth in themselves have their own, yeah. <laughs> like, life. It's yeah. just, yeah. Something that I quite like about this book is quite often characters aren't described overly in what they look like in a way that allows you to create your mm. own image of them. This book for me, it's interesting, isn't it, when you just have those images in your mind, like I can still picture the seller mm. exactly as I pictured it when I was nine or ten or however however old when I first read it. I think it's a very similar style to Neil Gaiman. I think they yeah. both do that quite yeah. well of yeah. like not, and not leave, feeling leaving like, the background a bit smudgy. And not feeling thing. like they have to explain. Like yeah, yeah she just has spiders crawling all over her teeth because <laughs> yeah. that's terrifying yeah. and she's yeah. a witch. And she gets Move to do on. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also she's an alien, right? Is this fantasy or is it sci-fi? I and think this, it's both. Yeah. yeah, and this is something that, reading it again, we were both saying, me and Matt, that it put us in mind of like alien versus predator sort of yeah. thing. Like, Yeah, it's, it's very sci-fi. But it's, a bit, it's very Doctor Who, isn't it? So it it, is. it's like Narnia, but 
the worlds that they get dragged to is like an actual literal different planet. And then you get the space between the worlds at the beginning, but oh, that yeah. isn't space travel. It's just like another dimension that they yeah. have to pass through. Mm. But I guess that's, you know, it's like TARDIS travel. Or I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm annoying Doctor Who fans. I will die on this hill. Doctor Who is fantasy. Okay. Like, that okay. sonic screwdriver is a magic wand. There are no consistent rules for the science in Doctor <laughs> Who. Yeah. It just works because it mm. works like that for the story to work. Like, I think Doctor Who blurs that boundary as well, quite mm. interestingly. Yeah. And maybe that's why it's reminding you of yeah. Doctor Who. Because it's got this, like, skin of science. Mm. Like, ooh, different planet. But, but really, it's, it's a magic box. Yeah. It's a magic box that takes you every one. It's yeah. just the non <laughs> cupboards. Yeah. 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 But it's shiny and metal yeah. instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it has buttons. <laughs> yeah. So. Rather than like witch being this sort of misogynistic mm. idea of like old woman haghood, seems to be an actual species in this. Yes, yeah. yeah and yeah. wizard is a different species. Yeah. It's not just like in yeah, Harry Potter true. where it's like magical man, magical woman. Yeah. It's like a completely different non human thing, mm. which I think is quite cool. Later on, we meet some, uh, they're called Prapsies, which is, I mean, there's a lot borrowed from C.S. Lewis and from Tolkien yeah. there. So the Prapsies are basically like the Crabane in Lord of the Rings, like the spy crows. Mm. But in this one, they've got human baby heads. But they also just chat in a really sort of old English style. <laughs> yeah. Each had the black body of a crow, but on its neck perched a small human head, a pink face, snub nose, tiny round ears and soft, thin hair. The face of a baby. They were so bizarre that Rachel would have burst out laughing had Morpus not looked so concerned. <laughs> but then if you are wondering why are they crows with babies' heads, we get given the answer at one point and it's literally just like the witch thought it would be funny she was bored. if crows had babies' <laughs> yeah. heads. So it's just like, lol, we'll make some of them and they can be me little spy creatures. Do you want to talk about this cover then? Yeah, so the cover we're looking at... This is the one that's generally available now. Um, is I quite like it because it's quite nostalgic for it's me. It's incredibly the year 2000. Mm. Yeah, 2000 to 2002, 2003, like, which is when I was kind of at the height of reading as a kid. Um, and it's just sort of, I guess, semi-photorealistic, like somewhere between photorealistic and like sketch drawing. Well, it looks like a film poster. Yeah. 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 It's got that background, different levels of mm. images superimposed in front of other images. So we've got the the two kids, Rachel and Eric, flying on the back of a giant white barn owl. Um, Do you think they did that to make it seem like Harry Potter? Maybe, because mm. the barn owl is mentioned, like, so briefly. Yeah. It's really not... <laughs> yeah. And I don't think both of them are on it. No, no, um, they're not. And then you've got the witch's tower with the kind of all-seeing eye tower um, behind it, and then sort of her eyes kind of semi-superimposed, a bit like the original Star Wars posters, yeah. where it's that kind of... I find it really ugly. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> it's great because it. of that. Yeah. I mean, I like it because of the nostalgia <laughs> thing. I can appreciate that, like... I, I it is it is very Harry Potter. I yeah. mean, I guess maybe that was the decision. Yeah. But there was that period where that was the style for any. Yeah, yeah any vaguely fantasy related book for children. Book, yeah. Like a photorealistic animal, probably a bird, and then like some sort of castle. But yeah, I don't love this cover that is the mainly available cover now. The <laughs> eyes in the background—it's like that Evanescence album yeah. cover. It <laughs> is Evan. Yeah, yeah, I knew it reminded yeah. me of something. It's the Evanescence <laughs> album. <laughs> Cover. You're absolutely right. Okay, so not very many points on the cover. 
sorry cover designer <laughs> but we like the inner illustrations and the map don't we yes the map it's is got a lo- oh, lovely it's got a Kraken map yeah and these little um chapter header but yeah we have a lovely map of Ithria and um yeah just sort of it classic um good map where it doesn't try and describe too many points of reference and it's like classic you know script classic fantasy map look very cool yeah it's very mm-hmm. tolkien the writing yeah. so we were doing scaryometer before we went down every yeah. other little avenue i think for what it's aimed at it's high mm. the scariness is coming mostly from body horror i would say yes yeah it's quite scary i think it is quite i think scary. it is because i think it's yeah not only the the body horror and the sort of goriness of it but the flippancy of mm. dragweena's attitude to it Shall we talk about favourite characters then? Who's your favourite, Ruby? Eric. He's just steadfast. He just gets on with it. And um, Eric's really needed as a character. Yeah. Yeah. As this sort of prop for Rachel. Mm. It's really, really necessary. Yeah. Well, he's necessary as her driving force as well. Like, yes. There's no real yeah. reason for her to do what she does otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very interesting that the resistance movement... Do they actually consider killing Eric? I think they do. Certainly abandoning him. Certainly abandoning him. And it's more purposes like, look, she's not going to do what we need her to Mm. do if we're not interested in saving our brother as well. But Morpeth's trying to convince Rachel at one point to leave Eric behind. Yeah. Yeah. And she's, yeah, just like, no, that's not not. happening. But, like, both sides, the good and the bad, are both trying to use Eric to manipulate Rachel. Mm. Yeah. I think it's very interesting. She's very sensible. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it works, yeah. yeah. What about you, Matt? I'm going to go with Dragweena. Wow. Okay. Like, just such a scary villain. Mm. Such a well-drawn villain. Mm. Just fascinating. I do have this weird kind of respect for her. She's so evil. It's a little bit like the, what's it, the parable of like the scorpion and the fox. They're trying to get across a river and the fox says, look, I'll carry you on my back, but you have obviously have to not sting me because yeah. then I'll die and I'll fall in the river and we'll both drown yeah. and you'll drown as well. And Scorpion's like, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> and then like halfway across the river, Scorpion stings the fox and he's like, what are you, what are you talked about? This? Why did you do that? And he's like, I'm Scorpion, innit? That's, that's my thing. That's what I do. Who's your favourite character? The eagle, Ron Coden. Yeah, that's a great show. The giant eagles, like, clearly a direct thing from Tolkien. Yeah. And obviously the argument with Lord of the Rings that always comes up is like, why couldn't the eagles just drop them mm. off the entire way? And there's various reasons for that. And I love in this Cliff one... Cliff has answered this. He's like, the skies are too clear. We would have been seen. Yeah, yeah. it's like... It's like <laughs> he does bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, it's like we thought about asking... The, and then he's even, like, later on, he's like... Oh, and like it kind of goes wrong. It's like maybe we should have just come here on eagle and yeah. risked it. Oh, she does, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I've messed up here. I've made a lot of mistakes. I made a lot of We should have just come by eagle. Yeah. It would have been yeah. a lot easier in hindsight. It's like it's a really clear day. Like should have yeah. seen an eagle straight away, man. Like the huge. We haven't actually scored the scariometer. What are we saying out of ten? Eight. Yeah. I was thinking around eight. Yeah. Have we said an age bracket for this? Nine. I, yeah. I think you could start younger. I might have been about eight when yeah. I read it. Maybe yeah, eight to eight to twelve. Who's it for? It's a good book for girls. Yeah. Strong female lead. Mm-hmm. I think it's good if you're a fan of C.S. Lewis or Tolkien. Yeah. Or as a gateway into that. Yeah. 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 It reminds me a little bit of Diana Wynne Jones as well. Mm-hmm. It would be good for kids who enjoy fiction, fantasy, sci-fi, yeah. but still with um, really grounded ties to just mm. reality. Because I'm just thinking of myself, I never really went down the Tolkien, C.S. Lewis path. Right. Especially not Tolkien, couldn't get on with it. No. But went down much more of a Neil Gaiman path. 
and it still has familiar traits mm-hmm. like you yeah. know family ties and yeah, um, yeah. I think the sibling relationship is really yeah. beautifully drawn in this. Yes. Yeah. I also think there is a coziness to these snow worlds, no matter how dark they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When they're in the resistance camp, like there's still oh someone's making food and it's quite nice, mm-hmm. even as it's really bleak. It's got that, it's that really feel. comforting wintry read. Yeah. If you're somebody who's comforted by slightly unsettling horror, which I know there are many of us, I'm one. Oh, I love mm-hmm. a bit. Yeah. 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 I do really enjoy that as well. Like if you're into that sort of like snow world fantasy, this is a great one. I think that's about it for this book, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on, Ruby. It's You've been, been a wonderful it's guest. It's been lovely. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Matt, you were so right that she'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, stop. So nice to have you on. So that was episode 35 of Even the Trunchbull. Thanks for listening. Once again, if you've any thoughts on books you loved as a kid, all of now as a kid let us know or ask a grown-up to let us know we're at even the trunchbull at gmail.com or catch us on twitter at trunchbull pod or on instagram at even the trunchbull intro music for this episode and every episode is what a wonderful day by shane ivers and remember kids books can be for everyone because we've all been kids even, even the, the trunchbull, trunchbull.